Well, I'm excited about this message. Um, I have been mulling over it, and I've been pumped to just to have this opportunity to, to, to speak about this. And um, I'm going to pray, and then we can go ahead and uh, dive right in. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for this opportunity to be here and hear from you. Lord, it is our desire that our ears will be open to hear what you have to say and that our heart will be open to receive it. Not the words that I'm speaking, let it be none of me and all of you, but we need to hear from you, God. We need your divine wisdom. We need uh, your wisdom to guide us through our week. We need your wisdom to guide us through our circumstance. We need your wisdom to guide us through life, God. And so we're here together as one seeking your voice. God, let this not be routine that we come in and an opportunity to, as, as to come to a gas station and, and to get filled up so that we can go out and do what you called us to do. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So um, over the next three weeks, um, I want to talk to you about three areas that I feel like um, as Christians and maybe even non-believers, we've placed limits on our life. And so we're entering this series called, um, it's going to be in a, in a couple different, different uh, topics. But today, uh, the thing I want to discuss is taking the limits off of the way that you see Jesus. Taking the limits off of the way that you see Jesus. Um, I believe that uh, as Christians, if we want to see the full manifestation of Jesus' finished work in our life, there's some, some limits that we got to take off. Um, I read a book, um, well, it was a mandatory reading. It was called The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. And in that book, they talk about the law of the lid. And they talk about how, um, if you would imagine a canister and it has a lid on it, um, if you have a small canister, it has a small lid. No matter what you do, you can never get past that lid because it's on there. And so what I'm looking at about Jesus. Um, there are some misconceptions. There are some ideas that I want to I challenge. And if you're here today and you're not a believer or, or maybe you're on the fence and you're considering Jesus, somebody may have invited you, then um, there's some limits you need to remove as well. And today, my goal is going to be to walk through both of these instances. All right, everybody ready? All right, let's dive in. Um, if is we need to understand the purpose and why Jesus came. We need to understand the purpose and why Jesus came. Um, there's this perception in the world that, that the world has put out that, that God is this angry being who sits up in this high place and he watches everything we do and he waits for us to do something bad so that he can cause something bad to happen. But if we pray and then we go to church and we do everything right, life, this is not true. It couldn't be farther from the truth. And I know that um, there's this thing that the world has put out, there's this perception, and, and you're like, oh, yeah, well, I thought that that was it. No, that's not it. Not it at all. And I think by having a misconception about God, then we ultimately have a misconception about Jesus. Um, believers, pre-believers, you need to know that we serve passion. 
passionately in love with you. God is not mad at you. He is not even in a bad mood as far as you're concerned. God wants to be in relationship with you. He's not uh, sitting, waiting for you to mess up so something bad could happen. God loves you. He doesn't love you more just because you came to church or you let that person who can't drive pass you on the highway. Um, just like he doesn't love you less because you, you messed up or you made bad decisions. God's love that you can do that can separate you from the love of God. Romans 8 verses 35, um, 37 and 38. Who could ever divorce us from the endless love of God? Absolutely no one. For nothing in the universe has the power to diminish his love towards us. Troubles, no, pressures and problems are unable. Well, what about persecution? What about deprivations or dangers and death threats? No, they are all impotent to hinder omnipotent love. Verse 37, yet in the midst of all these things, we triumph over them all for God has made us to be more than conquerors and his demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything. So now I live with the confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I'm convinced that his love will triumph over death, over life's troubles, over fallen angels, over dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in the present or the future circumstances that can weaken his love. Nothing. Nothing can weaken his love. How? How is that possible? I'm glad you asked that question. It's possible because God's love for you isn't based off of what you did. It's not based off of what you're doing. It's not based off of what you've done. God's love for you is based off of what Jesus did on See, that's what Paul is talking about in verse 37 when he says, and his demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything. His demonstrated love. What is this demonstrated love? I, I, I'm going to be the type of person that I'm always going to break it down, whether you, you've been here 20 years or you just came to church today. What is his demonstrated love? John 3, 16, uh, uh, you all, we all know it. For God so great. World, that he even gave up his only begotten unique son so that whoever believes, whoever trusts, whoever clings to, whoever relies on him shall not perish, not come to destruction, not be lost, but have eternal everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge, to reject, to condemn, to pass sentence on the world, but that the world might find salvation. Believers. We have to decide whether we believe this or not. We have to decide whether we believe this or not. Ultimately, do we really believe God's love for us? Are we trusting Jesus in every area of our life? Are we clinging to Jesus in every area of our life? Every area of our life? Do we believe that we will not come to destruction? Do we believe that we won't be lost? Do we really believe? Because if you aren't trusting, 
If you aren't clinging, if you aren't relying, then what you've done is you've placed a limit on what God is able to do in and through you in that area of your life. You've placed the limit. Because if you aren't, it's an area, let's just say it's finances. And you say, God, you know, I, mm, God says, well, I can't, what, what do you want me to do? If, you, if you're not believing in me, I, what can I do? You've tied my hands. But if you trust me, say, God, I trust you with this because I know that you love me because I know I won't come to destruction because I know that I won't, I won't be lost. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to rely on you. I'm going to lean on you in this area. He says, oh, oh, I'm glad. That means I can bless you. I can do whatever needs to be done. I know you're going to do what I, what I called you to do with it because you rely and trust in me. Hallelujah. We got to decide whether we believe this or not. If we're going to take the limits off of the way we see uh, 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 Jesus, if we're going to take those limits off, we have to know why he came. Luke 19 verse 10 says, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus came. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus came to demonstrate God's love for us. He did it in the healings. He did it in the feeding. Zacchaeus, when he was up in the tree, he did it to the woman caught in adultery. Jesus didn't come to condemn us. He came to restore our relationship with God through his death, through his burial, and through his resurrection and teach us how to show that love to others. That's why he came. That's why he came. Jesus came for people. He came for people like you and I. He came for people that are perfect. He didn't come to make bad people good. He come to make dead people live. Jesus, and, and as I was, I was writing this out, I just felt this so strongly. Jesus is not this estranged parent that we run to when we're in trouble. Sometimes we'll, well, 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 not we, not nobody here, but other people, right? They, they, the only time they recognize Jesus is when they're in trouble. God, if you get me out of this, I promise I'll serve you for the rest of my life. God, God, if you get me out, Jesus isn't this estranged parent that we run to when something's wrong, that we run to when there's a problem. No, Jesus wants to be in relationship with us. Every single day, every decision that we're making, everything that we're doing. He says, I want to be in relationship with you. He said, I love you. And, and, and I thought about you. Jesus saw you and I 2,021 plus years ago. And he, at that point, chose to suffer the cross so that we wouldn't have to pay the penalty of sin. We wouldn't have to pay the penalty of sin, which is death. Jesus came that we might have life and life more abundantly. That's why he came. If we're going to take the limits off of the way that we see Jesus, we have to be consciously aware of why he came. When we realize that he came to our relationship with God, when we realize that he came for messed up people, when we realize that he came for people like you and I, it changes how you see Jesus. It changes who your view of Jesus is, and it changes your view of who you are. Because you recognize that he was the son of God, that you are his son, that you are his daughter, that you are his prized possession, that the Bible says that you are his glorious inheritance. 
came, why he came, you realize who you are. When you take the limits off of the way you see Jesus by understanding why he came, what happens is your, your perception changes. You're no longer in this place where you're thinking like, oh, uh, God is trying to get me or this happened because I didn't do this or maybe this is going on in my life because I forgot to do this. No, 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 no. I, I'm a child of God. Come on now. I'm a son of the Most High. See, you walk different when you know who you are. It's only four, y'all. You walk different when you know who you are. Let me tell you something. My son, you saw my son, Cadence, and, and my, my, our volunteers here, and for those of you who are going to be a volunteer today after you fill out the form, you will see my son, Cadence, and you will recognize Cadence doesn't care what's going on because he's my son. If, I, he, if he was sitting here right now, he would get on this stage and say, Daddy, I'm hungry. If, if, if I'm out somewhere, he doesn't care if I'm in a meeting, if I'm on many a Zoom call, he will walk right up to me, pass his mom. That's another story. He'll bypass his mom. He'll come to me and he'll say, Daddy, can you do this? Daddy, can you do that? And he don't care what's going on. Why? Because he is my son. And he says, I don't care what's going on. That's my dad. I need to talk to my daddy. And I know that when I talk to my daddy because of who I am, I know that he's going to respond. When we understand why he came, we understand who we, he, we understand who he is, we understand who we are. If we're going to take the limits off of the way we see Jesus, then we have to understand why he came. Secondly, if we're going to take the limits off of the way that we see Jesus, the second thing that we have to do, excuse me, the second thing that we have to do is separate the inaccurate representations of Jesus with who Jesus is, with the truth of who he really is. We have to separate the inaccurate representations of Jesus from the truth of who he really is. Break it down for me, Pastor Kenan. You, you, you're saying a lot. If we're going to take the limits off of the way we see Jesus, then we got to separate people from Jesus. One of the main reasons that people fall away from the faith isn't because they didn't get an answer prayer. One of the main reasons people uh, uh, fall away from the, the faith isn't because they have discrepancies with the Bible. One of the main reasons people fall away from faith is because of their interactions with people who claim to be representatives of Christ. We've all at one point or another, not anybody in here, but we've ran into someone who said that they were a believer, they said that they were a Christian, that they loved Jesus, but as you dig deeper, you see that their morals, you see that their values, you see that their character, you see that their actions doesn't line up with a person who's a close follower of Jesus. Maybe that's just me. Has anybody said, I like your Christ, I do not like your Christians? Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Here's why this is important. Here's why this matters if we're going to take the limits off of the way that we see Jesus. It's not a new thing. We got to understand that people are people, even those who claim to be Christians. And as Christians, we have to accept responsibility and do a better job. And you're on the fence because of bad interactions with Jesus. You are not alone. If you had a bad interaction with somebody who, who claimed to be a representative of Jesus, 
you are not alone. If you're a believer and you find yourself at sometimes questioning, you find yourself sometimes difficult to forgive, you don't understand how someone who claims to love Jesus could do to love Because our goal as Christians is to be Christ-like. So I apologize that that happened to you or you ran into that person. Um, but please know Jesus dealt with this same thing while he was here on earth. It wasn't a new thing and unfortunately it happened quite often. Luke chapter 18 verses 15. One day some parents brought their little children to Jesus so that he could teach and so that he could touch them and so that he could bless them. Then Jesus called for the children and said to the disciples, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Matthew 26, verses 6. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came and went and poured it out over his head. The disciples were indignant when they saw this. What a waste, they said. It could have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, replied, Why do you criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. She has poured this perfume on me to prepare my body for burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, Luke chapter 22, verses 47. Even as Jesus said this, a crowd approached led by Judas, one of the 12 disciples. Judas walked over to Jesus to greet him with a kiss. Jesus said, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? When the other disciples saw what was about to happen, they exclaimed, Lord, should we fight? We're ready. What's happening? Should we fight? We brought swords right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Three examples of, of disciples even. Disciples in their moment, not representing the heart of Jesus. So if your problem is people, then you're not alone. But what we have to do when we engage these people, when we come we have to be careful to separate these misrepresentations of Jesus from the truth of who Jesus really is. See, Jesus had to personally handle these situations, but what he did is he used them as an opportunity to show the character of who Jesus is. He said, no, don't stop these children. I want everyone to come to me. He, he said as, as she was uh, uh, wiping the feet with her hair, she had the perfume, and, and, they, and they're mad. What she's doing is a, is a good thing. And, 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 and the disciples, I'm assuming this had to be Peter, because Peter was just fired up, bless his heart. You know, he comes in, he's like, Lord, let's go. I'm slicing ears. And Jesus is like, whoa, wait a minute. No, no. And he heals the man's ear. As believers, we strive to be like Christ, but we are not Christ. We are flesh and blood, and sometimes we miss the mark. We have to do better about being the character and displaying the character of Jesus as believers. 
We have to do better because there's a whole world and there's a whole world of unbelievers who are looking at us to be the example that God has called us to be. We have to do a better job of loving people. We have to do a better job of having the heart of God. When we come into interactions with people, we have to be better. We have to be better. But listen, if you're making a character decision about who Jesus is, then it has to be backed up by who he really is. Not by people. Not by people, but by the accounts of Jesus that's found in the word. Believe unbelievers or those who may be on, on the fence, I'm specifically talking to you. If you want to say who Jesus is and, and why this and why that, then you can't make that decision based up on, upon people. We got to we see Jesus healing a man at the pool of Bethesda on a Sunday regardless of the consequences that he would face. In John 13, we see Jesus humbly washing the disciples' feet. In John 4, we see Jesus going out of his way to help people and go to, to minister to Samaria to a group of people that nobody cared about. In Luke 23, we see Jesus walking in forgiveness to the people who placed him on the cross. Get this, we're going to make a character assessment about Jesus, then we need to look at the receipts. We have to look at the receipts. We have to make that decision, not off people, but by who Jesus is. About who Jesus is. When your view of Jesus is only through people and not his word, and you fail to separate those inaccurate representations from who Jesus really is, then your view of Jesus is limited. Your view of who he is is limited, and oftentimes it's incomplete because the fullness of who Jesus is and the character of who Jesus is can only be found in a personal relationship with Jesus. That is the only way that you are a pre-believer, as I call you, if you're here and you're like, man, I, I, I just don't understand. I dare you. I dare you. Please. Because when you understand that God loves you, when you understand that he's watching over you, when you understand that the word says that when I was sleeping, I prepared the day for you. When you understand that he says, I know the number of hairs on your head. When you understand that he says, I have a plan for you, plans of good and not evil. As you begin to talk, as you begin to pray, as you begin to say things and he speaks back to you, you enter a relationship and you know who Jesus is. Not by what people are doing, not by what people are saying. Let me tell you why this is important, why I felt that this was important to say. When you hear the term Christian, it might mean something totally different. I'm going to try not to get in trouble this morning, okay? I'm going to try. Just because someone says that they're a Christian... Just because someone says, I go to church or I am of the faith, it may not mean the same thing. Yes. The Bible says that a tree is known by the fruit that it bears. Okay? Am I saying that people uh, will change instantly? No. But what I am saying is when you come to a revelation of what God has done for you and you make a decision to accept Jesus Christ in your life, what happens is things start changing on the inside of you. 
Because you know the heart of God and you say, you know what? I'm not going to go there anymore because I know that's not for me because I know that's not of God. And, and because I love God and because God, Jesus sent his son and Jesus died for me, I don't want to do anything to offend him. So I'm not going to go there anymore or I'm not going to, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. Why? Because I, there's a change that's taking place on the inside of me. We have to be aware and be able to separate people from who Jesus really is. If we're going to take the limits off of the way we see Jesus, we have to separate the actions from the character of Jesus. That can only happen through a relationship with him. Because in that relationship, you get to know him for yourself. You see, uh, Season Saint said, I know him for myself. I, I know him for myself. You know him because you might have heard about him. You, you know him because you might have sang about him or somebody told you about him. Uh, uh, but I know him for myself. At that point, you're out of that box that you might have put him in because of someone's misrepresentation of who he is. All right. If we're going to take the limits off of the way we see Jesus, the last thing that I want to address today is removing the doubts. We have to remove the doubts. Matthew chapter 21 verse 18 says, Now in the early morning as Jesus was coming back, lone fig tree at the roadside, he went to it and found nothing but leaves, and he said, Never again will fruit come from you. And at once the fig tree withered. When the disciples saw it, they were astonished, and they asked, How was it that this fig tree withered all at once? Jesus replied to them, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, if you have faith, if you have personal trust and confidence in me and do not doubt, not only do what was done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and be thrown into the sea, it will happen if God wills it. And whatever you ask for in prayer, believing you will receive. See, Jesus here is showing the effects of faith in our life. He's showing us that our, our confident, that our consistent faith combined with God's power can produce amazing results if the request is in harmony with God. Doubt and unbelief limit God's ability to move in and through our lives. And it limits our ability to rest confidently in who Jesus is. Matthew 13, verse 54, when Jesus arrived in the hometown of Nazareth, he began teaching the people in the synagogue. Everyone was overwhelmed with astonishment at the revelation. Here we go. But they said to one another, where did this man get such great wisdom and miraculous power? Is it his mother named Mary and his four brothers, Jacob, Joseph, Simon, telling this man whole lineage? And don't his sisters live here in Nazareth? Where did he get this revelation and power? And the people became offended and began to turn against him. Jesus said, there is only one place a prophet isn't honored, and that is his hometown. Verse 58, here we are. And their unbelief kept him from doing mighty miracles. Four o'clock, verse 25 at about 4 o'clock, Jesus came to them walking on the waves. So, so Jesus had just began preaching, and, and he told the disciples, go over to the other side. 
And so they get in this boat, and we join them at verse 25. About 4 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came walking on the waves, and the disciples saw him walking on top of the water, and they were terrified and screamed, a ghost. Now, I love going cruising, many a cruise ship. And when it opened back up, that's where you will find me. Not on Sundays, but other days. And if I see somebody walking on the water, I'm going to be a little terrified myself. I'm going to assume it's Jesus because I love Jesus, but I'm still going to be a little tripped out. It says he saw them and they were terrified and Jesus said, be brave, do not be afraid because I am here. Peter shouted, Lord, if it's really you, then have me come on the water. Jesus said, come and join me. So Peter stepped out of the waves were. He became frightened and started to sink. Save me, Lord, he cried out. Jesus immediately stretched out his hand and lifted him up and said, what little faith that you have. Why did you let doubt win? Doubt shortcuts your faith and hinders your ability to trust in God. Short circuits it. You see, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Help my unbelief because he understands doubt. It's short circuit. It just short circuits it. So what do we do? If we, we're taking the limits off of the way we see Jesus, and, and the way that we do that is by removing the doubt, then what do we do? What do we do when we feel doubt rising up? We remind ourselves of the love and the character of Jesus by giving less attention to our fears and doubts and giving more attention to the word of God and to the consistency of who God is. What happens when we do that? As we focus more on the word and we focus more on the character, as we begin to pour over the scriptures, as we begin to remind ourselves of who Jesus is, as we begin to remind ourselves of the goodness of God, as we begin to think about how much he's done for us, your faith starts to begin to be stirred up and your trust in Jesus begins to be stirred up and, and you begin to just have this confidence rise up on the inside of you because the doubt has now gone away and the limits begin to to fade away and your doubts are no more in order to take the limits off of the way we see Jesus we have to remove the doubts we have to know why Jesus came we have to separate people's actions from the heart of Jesus and we have to remove the doubt for me Whenever I'm in a place where I feel like uh, uh, I'm in a place of doubt, when I feel like I, I can feel it rising up, and, and I'm not going to say that, that, that all of us, I believe, that there are certain things that we're strong in the faith in, but there are some things that happen to us where we get to this point where we, we start to doubt. Amen. Okay, it's just me and you then. We're the only ones then. But whenever I feel like I'm in a place of doubt or I feel like I'm in a place of fear or unbelief, uh, along with reading the word, I like to worship. Worship is a big thing for me. Because the song remind me of what's known. I'm, I'm able to sing my heart out. I'm, I'm able to, to remind myself. It, it may look like I'm surrounded, but in actuality, God, I'm surrounded by you. And then I remember that this is how I, okay, all right. <laughs> 